Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we combine a love of movies and television with not a lot of actual knowledge about movies or television. I'm your host, Joseph. With me is my co-host, Christian. How are you? This week we're going to be talking about Bohemian Rhapsody. This week we're going to be talking about Bohemian Rhapsody, the Queen slash Freddie Mercury biopic that's been in the works for a little while. Long time. I, I Again, I still want to call them surviving members, but really... They're all surviving but Freddie Mercury. Correct. Brian May and Roger Taylor. Specifically. Specifically have been trying to get this movie made for a good while, mm-hmm. probably a decade. Yeah, I would say so. They ha- had it going a little while ago with Sasha Baron Cohen from Borat attached, which honestly would have also been a good casting because mm-hmm. he also visually looks the part. Yeah. Looks the part. I feel like he could probably capture the energy, but supposedly they either, I don't know what, what, you know, we don't know what happens behind closed doors. I think they thought he was too comedic. They thought he was too comedic. You know, I don't know. He's done more serious things in the past. So I I don't know. So anyway, it it dropped into development hell for a while, but then they they found Remy Malik of Mr. Mr. Robot Robot fame, um, who again also has that unusual look about him. Mm Mm-hmm. Specifically, '80s Freddie man, he like looks just like him. yeah. So they got they got uh, Remy Malik attached, and uh, that led us to the movie that we went and saw this week, and mm-hmm. we're bringing to you now, Bohemian Rhapsody, directed mostly by Brian Singer. Maybe? I don't really know how much he directed. We but, don't really know. Yeah. So for for those who are not aware, Brian Singer apparently just stopped coming to set. And oh, is that really what? Yeah. He, I thought he got kicked off the set. Well, he did, but he was like showing up late, and then there were days where he just didn't show up at all, and. So oh, that's what fired him. I thought it was because he was a bad person. Well, there's that too. Yeah. But yeah, no, from what I understand, like they would, you know, have like a 6 a.m. call time and he'd show up at like 1030. Oh. And then some days he wouldn't show up at all. And so Rami Malik was the one who like went to the studio about it. That's what I've heard. Fucking tattletale. I know, right? What a snitch. Um, so he was he was replaced by Dexter Fletcher, who's directed a bunch of things, but mm-hmm. nothing tremendous. He did, uh, what did you say, Band of Brothers? He on was HBO? in Band of Brothers. Oh, he was in Band of yeah, Brothers. Yeah, he's one of the main characters, yeah. But yeah, this this movie stars Remy Malik as Freddie Mercury, a, a fairly visually accurate yeah. fr- uh, Freddie Mercury. Gwillem Lee as Brian May, Ben Hardy as uh, Roger Taylor. Say that guy's last name. Which one? The next guy, Deacon. I just realized I didn't fucking write him down. <laughs> it's Tim from Jurassic Park, but he has like a super Italian last I know, name. I, I don't want to try to. I didn't write it down. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the 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 kid who plays Tim from the original Jurassic Park. Yeah plays uh john deacon john deacon yep uh lucy boynton as uh mary mary thank you mike myers is a surprise in this movie i didn't even know he was in it yeah until i was doing the cast list and you told me about it but he's in it as uh the what is it emi record executive yeah, emi record executive um and then the other two i wanted to mention it we'll, we'll come back to him a little more is aiden gillen uh, as john reed and tom holland as as their lawyer beach beach miami yeah they, they were interesting casting choices that yeah. i had i had their their previous work affected my my viewing of this work, so we're gonna we're gonna see how it goes. But would you give us a little synopsis sure. on what this movie is? Uh, this movie opens and closes with the Live Aid concert, which uh, many would say is probably Queen's most famous concert. But the quickly shifts to Freddie being a young adult, uh, listening to this band play at this pub on the weekends that Roger Taylor and Brian May were both a part of. When their uh, lead singer quits, Freddie joins. They eventually bring on Deacon and form Queen. And then it's their quick rise to fame. Freddie's, uh, how would you say, getting to know himself, probably. Sure. He was lost. Like many, many artists are. 
and uh, his kind of finding himself along the way and, and the effect that had on his bandmates. Like, this movie very much is about Freddie and Freddie's journey to becoming the person that we know Freddie Mercury to be. Yep. And the drama that was involved with that. One thing this movie does well that tells a story between Freddie's relationship with Mary that I, I think a lot of people don't know mm-hmm. or don't realize who she was and, and the effect she had on him and how close they were. I think... I, I like this movie. I don't think it's a great movie. I think Rami Malek's really good in it. And the reason why I say I think Rami Malek's good in it is as a queen, like I would consider myself like a super fan. Like I'm never going to get to know Freddie. I'm never going to get to see Freddie live. Like the closest I'm going to get is a DVD of, you know, live in Budapest or mm-hmm. something. So I'm never going to have that experience. But this is, I think, is the closest I'm ever going to get. Like watching, especially towards the end after spoiler i think everybody knows freddie dies of aids uh after his aids diagnosis and the getting queen back together that freddie you kind of see on stage at live aid and and really the last probably half hour of the movie like to me is the freddie mercury that i you know whose music i fell in love with Mm -hmm. like is an inspiration to me so getting to see that even in a movie that i didn't think was outstanding was very very special for me it, it meant a lot i teared up at the end of it in fact wow. yeah it, it really like it moved me and i think rami malik probably doesn't deserve like best actor and i realize that may be weird but i think it affected me because of who i am and, and my appreciation for that music like i don't know that being freddie mercury is makes you the best actor in the world but being Freddie Mercury was enough to move me mm-hmm. emotionally, and that that meant a lot. So my problems were more so like there's not like a lot of like, and this is true for a lot of these biopics. There's not a lot of like rising and falling action in this movie. No, it's just kind of event, 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 event. event. Well, I, I would say I would say especially the first third of the movie, particularly. Yeah. Like up until they they kind of not re- reach their like peak heights, but when they're like before they were formed to like when they're really famous. Yep, they're already you know doing big tours everywhere. There's no rise and fall whatsoever. Yes, there's just here's here's a wisp of kind of an obstacle. We're gonna blow through it, <laughs> and there's no like there's no conflict. There's no, no and then there's a there's, time jump to the next yeah. obstacle. And the supporting cast, not that they're bad, they're just not nothing's asked of them. That's in this def- movie. That's definitely true. That was. One of my problems with this movie as a whole is I felt like despite the fact that this movie is portraying and about real people who Mm -hmm. have existed and still currently exist and consulted on the movie, besides Freddy and especially like, you know, Brian May, nobody else feels like a real person in this movie. Yeah. They they all just feel like paper thin, like quip machines. Yeah. No, they're just like you talk about. Brian May was influential in this movie being made. Mm hmm. But the movie portrays Brian May as almost a character attribute of Freddie Mercury. Like, he's just there to say a dialogue, a line of dialogue that elicits some sort of response from Freddie. Mm -hmm. And I get the movie's not about him. The movie's about Freddie. But, man, they're they're nothing. There's no depth. There's there's no information about them. And those people aren't really acting. Yeah. I'll tell you the person who surprised me the most is the person most people don't know. Like, nobody knows John Deacon's name. Yeah. He played such a part, a big part, and especially the the closing of that movie. Mm-hmm. Like he, I think Tim, whatever his real name is, uh, is the best of the other three guys. Like for being the one who, like to this day, when Queen goes back on tour, like when they did with Adam Lambert, when they did with Paul Rogers, like he doesn't go. So he's the one that stays out of the limelight the most. 
and that's true for the movie as well, but he plays such a big part, whereas like Brian and Roger really are, are not characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like, a shame. I think that hurts the film. Well, and, and that's that's what like I couldn't decide about that because they're in it the whole time. You know, yeah. you, you think it's going to be a Freddy story at first, and then you get introduced to the guys, and they're there for so much of it. But they're also, like you said, they're 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 very thin. They they had mostly just have these quips and and dialogue with Freddy to promote Freddy onto some other you know journey or personal discovery or whatever. But I don't know. It's it's one of those things where I can't decide. If, I can't decide if they know whether they wanted this to be a movie about Freddie Mercury, if they wanted it to be a movie about Queen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I I felt like it towed the line and never really decided whether they wanted it to be about Queen, the band, or if they wanted it to be about Freddie Mercury and, you know, kind of his time with Queen. I think they went with the second, but there are elements of the first. Definitely. I, mm-hmm. I, that's the thing. I think, I think they're involved too much for it to be oh, just Freddie's story. One thing uh, on that note that I wanted to talk about is when Queen breaks up, they make it seem like a Freddie Mercury problem. Uh-huh. That kind of felt douchey to me because the guy's not here to represent himself. Definitely. And from what I know of Queen, yes, that may have been the driving force, but the rest of them were pretty tired of Freddie's antics. Uh-huh. So when he says, hey, I'm taking this solo deal, I'm not thinking they were as upset as the movie makes it out to be. And I feel like they probably played more of a part in it than the movie claims. Sure. But, for, again, Freddie's not here to be like, yeah, that's not true. I'm, that's not what happened. I felt like on that note, Brian May specifically came out smelling like roses in this movie in the sense that oh, he, yeah. he he is constantly like on the right side of whatever argument they're having and, and is always kind of like the voice of reason and wisdom for, you know, whatever conflict or decision they're going through. Even between the personalities of Freddie and Roger. Yeah. Like Brian is like, you're both kind of right. Yeah. You know, I'm in love with my car is a stupid song, <laughs> but it should be on the record. Like, yeah. And how many times does it say Brian May's an astrophysicist? So fucking many. As if you didn't know. That drove me crazy. <laughs> Brian May has a doctorate in astrophysics. And he wants you to know. Absolutely. I am not just a rock star. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Yeah. See, I mean, I, I want to talk about, the, I, I had a problem with the first third of this movie because I felt like they, we, we, we talked about this uh, last week. If you guys haven't heard our, our uh, best music biopics episode, go back a week. I feel like we picked out some good ones. We we noted that a lot of these movies have the same beats. Yep. You know, they, mm-hmm. they have the b- same basic plot structure of anonymity, putting it together, achieve success, their penalty, you know, consequences yep. of the success, and then overcoming them kind of thing. And I feel like this movie understood that those tropes and those those specific beats have to be in this movie and are understood to be in this movie, and they didn't want it to be retreading the same ground. But I also feel like, th- so so the first third of the, to me, felt like, okay, you guys get what's happening here, so we're just going to run through it. But I also feel like they didn't run through it fast enough <laughs> for it to be that. So it was like they were, they both wanted to have an origin story, but didn't want to have, an, like, didn't yeah, want to yeah, spend yeah. the time of the movie on, like, the origin story. And they, like, again, found some, like, weird middle ground that wasn't quite one or the other. And to me, the result was, again, the, the whole time, there's there's no obstacles, there's no conflict, there's no nothing. They just constantly just move from one, you know, one step to the next step yep. to the next step, and there's nothing in the way, which, I mean, first off, if there's no conflict, why is it even on the screen? Like, yep. what, what are we... What are we doing? But also, it just, to me, anyway, because we don't get to spend time with these characters before we start the rise, 
and we don't really get to know them because they're just quip machines. They just seem like smug assholes who like succeed mm-hmm. because they're smug assholes, and it doesn't feel earned to me. And that really bothered me. And I, you know, for you that might feel differently because you know you you know the band members and you probably mm-hmm. like know more about their actual rise. But to me, as someone who doesn't know that, I was just like, fuck these guys. <laughs> no, I think I think you're right. I think it hurts the movie. One thing I would have if someone had asked me to make a Queen movie, right? I would have and placed, why, why didn't they? Yeah, well, it's mind-boggling. I probably would have set almost the whole movie within the farmhouse while they're writing A Night at the Opera. Yeah. At least that's where the movie would start. Because you don't, like you're talking about, you don't really need to see the rise of Queen. Like, the rise of Queen isn't, like, some grandiose story. It was, right. you know, four English dudes at, uh, coming out of the peak of the, you know, British invasion who were making really original and different music. And and that's basically all it is, you know. And, and Freddie was this electric personality that people, like, gravitated to. He was arguably one of the best frontmen of all time, if not the best. Definitely. Those are all perfectly reasonable, you know, explanations why they became famous. What's more interesting is the confrontation. And so, like, the drama uh, of them, like, all living together and write this album at the same time, it's when Freddie starts, you know, discovering his sexuality. And then maybe, you know, maybe it would have been interesting to see how Freddie reacts to the other three making families. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe showing Brian getting married and, you know, how that Brian now having a wife affects Freddie's perception of the band as a whole. And which is, which is something that they they reference in the movie exactly they but, allude to it right, but it's not really fleshed out. That's fair. And so if you had not given me that stuff in the beginning and then focused more on that, I think you probably would have had a better movie. I think what makes this movie like good to me or you know better than Transformers is because my personal connection and I think because of Rami's performance. Mm. But the movie as a whole probably worse than Transformers. Sure. Uh, which is kind of what I said I think I was going to be going <laughs> into it. But um, one of my favorite parts of this movie, and I, you know, we had talked briefly about it before, is the Mike Myers cameo. Yes. Um, do you want to explain it? Or? No, I think you're going to do it much better because I didn't even know he was in there. Okay. So Mike Myers plays a EMI producer. I can't remember his name. He's not a real person, the the character that Mike Myers plays. Ray Foster is his Ray character Ray Foster. Name. It's actually a combination of several people who heard Queen's works along the way. But Mike Myers plays his character, and as we all know, there's a famous Wayne's World scene. The opening to Wayne's World, the movie, is uh, Mike Myers and uh, Garth and two dudes I know don't know their names are riding in the back of Garth's car, and they pop in Bohemian Rhapsody. Now, they just pick up at the operatic section, Mm -hmm. and they famously headbang when it gets to the guitar solo. Which is apparently a nightmare to shoot. Was it? I've never heard that. Oh, yeah, because they, they had to do it repeatedly with a like bunch of headbang. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's it. That and, makes and perfect apparently sense. just hurt their heads doing yeah, it a bunch of times a in a row. massive headache. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. It's a very, in, uh, a very famous, memorable scene. Yeah, very popular. Yeah. And so he has this line in the movie where he talks about the solo track, the radio track for A Night at the Opera should be I Love My Car. Because it's something the youth can turn the volume up and headbang in yeah. their cars to. Like, it's just such a great, like, connection. Because, let's be honest, Mike Myers is probably in the twilight of his career. He's well past the twilight <laughs> of his career, if we're honest. But that was kind of, well, he was on SNL before that. But that was really the birth of Mike Myers' career. And it's yeah. kind of all come full circle. And whose ever idea it was to get him in there and say that line specifically, props to you. Really liked it. I'm yeah, with you. It's a great moment. 
Speaking of, of kind of the, the managers behind the scene mm-hmm. folks, so I, I mentioned earlier they, they cast Aiden Gillen as John Reed, who I guess is their manager starting off, yep. or at least for a little bit. Famously then, Littlefinger from Game of Thrones. Yeah, Aiden Gillen, fa- Littlefinger from Game of Thrones, and uh, Tom Hollander, who uh, plays Beach, who's their lawyer, who I guess is later their manager. Yep. Also Colonel Beckett in the Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, he's, he's Beckett from the second and third Pirates They're of the Caribbean. They're villains. Movies. They like they they've got villainy faces. Yeah, they're only ever villains, right? They, so I mean, like even if I hadn't seen them in movies, I'd be suspicious of them. But mm-hmm. I've only I've also only other seen them in movies and television and stories where they're the bad guy. So I'm like I'm constantly waiting for these guys to fuck them over. But they're like actually nice guys in this no, movie. Yeah, but like I couldn't accept it after my break. <laughs> they even they even faked me out on uh, on Littlefinger. Yep. Because his little assistant yeah, guy yeah, yeah. betrays betrays him. him, and I was like, "What? <laughs> I didn't expect that at all." Littlefinger got Littlefinger. I know. Yep. So yeah, that 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 was interesting, almost distracting casting choices. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's okay because you know I guess it kind of at least balances out the scales against type. But yeah, I don't know. It was it was kind of a distracting choice for me. No, every time I looked at him, I saw Littlefinger. Yeah. And then. Beach, I guess, kept. I was like, I've seen that guy in things before, and then of course we found out it was Beckett. But. Yeah. Um, oh man, how did you feel about the um, the singing musical portions of this movie, specifically when they cut from parts where they were talking to singing, where like Freddie would go to a piano and sing? I think these movies are always better when the actor is the one singing. Yes. Obviously, Rami Malek's voice sounds nothing like Freddie Mercury's, so I didn't love a lot of the singing parts <laughs> in this movie. But I also, I feel like what you're talking about is like, they really wanted to harp home that Freddy was a genius, I felt yeah, like. Yeah, definitely. I don't think you need to convince anybody of that. Yeah. It, I, honestly, it mostly bothered me, just the quality of the dub. Because it would be, you know, I, I'm, I'm certainly not any kind of like Hollywood sound designer, mm-hmm. but it was just such an egregious change of like, here's a conversation of people in a room and like clinking of glasses and stuff. And then suddenly it sounds like, you know, you've turned off that sound and turn on your car radio yeah. to, to a Freddie Mercury vocal track. From what I know, all the recordings are obviously real queen recordings. I think, I think most of them are anyway. Yeah. And, uh, I think most of them are live recordings. And so, um, it's certainly not going to sound the same as it would like. Yeah. And that came through. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to talk, one thing I want to talk about, because I've heard this complaint, you know, from people, and some people think they focus too much on the, the Mary part of this Really? Because I understand that she's been, was a really big part of his life for his whole life. For sure. And my counter argument to that is exactly what you're saying. People don't know that story, or the story of love of my life, like, yeah. in particular, and what she meant to him. And, you know, what started off as a love interest, but later just became like, I, I, I describe in their life that Mary's like a lighthouse that just, he just keeps coming back to. Right. And when he gets lost, it's the thing that like brings him back. When most people, when they associate Freddie Mercury, they've, of course, associate his sexuality with him and mm-hmm. this like extravagant lifestyle. And the fact that there was just kind of like this quiet little English woman. Yeah. Who was always there, present, but was never a part of the celebrity of mm. Freddie Mercury. People just don't know. And so I've, I've heard that complaint a lot. And I would say that's not 
it's an important part of his story to tell. That doesn't change who Freddy was. Right. I don't it's, feel I don't feel like the movie does anything to, to do that. No, either. I just I've heard a couple people say that. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I just think you, you know, you, you, it's just not what you expect. Sure. If you don't know that about Freddie Mercury, it's not what you expect. Of I, I mean, I thought that was a really interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, I mean, I, that was one of the things that I think was the strength of the movie for the remainder of it was, was Freddie struggle both like. You know, with his with his sexuality, with the taboo and and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff associated with it, with his feelings for Mary, because he obviously still like very much loves her and cares about her, and like wants like a really close relationship with her in her life, but just not a sexual one. Yeah, that's the best line in the movie that explains that. Is she's like, "What do you want from me?" And he says, "Almost everything." Like, yeah, that is a perfect line to embody that relationship. Um, and then you know, you you talked about it. It's it's something that's kind of alluded to in the movie that probably could be fleshed out more. Is as time goes on, you know, you see the remaining band members kind of marry off and have kids and mm-hmm. and do the nuclear ideal of, of yeah, the... Yeah, yeah, uh, Well, it's not an American family. It's a British family. But, Still, uh, we get your point. And, and you know, Freddie, both because of the, the person that he is and his sexuality and, and some other things, you know, doesn't end up going that route. You mm-hmm. know, he, he doesn't settle down with anyone. He doesn't have children. And so he feels very isolated from everyone else. And he kind of feels like he's stuck and everybody else is, you know, changing and moving on with their lives. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really interesting, the kind of the central conflict of, of definitely the yeah. latter part of the movie. Um, but it, was, I don't, it, it definitely was like the most humanizing and, and interesting part of, of that story to me i wasn't a big fan of rami malik as a whole in this yeah. movie but i think that particular part of the story is is where he really shined for me see for me and i say rami is i actually don't feel like he does a very good job of showing early freddy yeah and i think that kind of goes you know you're talking about just the character structure and, and what's asked of him i as far as i know the, what you get of early freddy may not be the most accurate but mm. what you get of later freddy mustache freddy <laughs> uh is closer you know i think that one fits who he what he looks like and fits more of what people associate with so that's your expectation and i think rami really does a good job in the second half of this movie yeah um i just think the first half the first half of the movie just has a lot of struggles excuse me there's not a lot of beat points for early queen Mm -hmm. yet we spend 45 minutes on it Uh, yeah somewhere around there probably you mostly know them for their songs at that point not like life events right so when you get to the late 70s, early, early 80s queen, 1981, 1982, I think that that's the, probably the movie it should have been. Like if the whole movie was the last hour, it probably would be a really good movie. I'd agree. It's the first hour where I think a lot of our problems mm-hmm. are really based. I mean, look, my, my biggest problem, even if it was just the second half of the movie, is Rami Malek because I still think... I still have problems with him as an actor, but I think it would have been a much improved movie in my no. opinion. You just don't like Rami Malek. I don't. Uh, immediately i don't know if you did the same thing i i suspect you did but as soon as i saw the movie i came home and watched a bunch of live queen videos on youtube oh yeah <laughs> and i i in general have a problem with with rami malik and he's good for like mr robot mm-hmm. um but i constantly feel like he, he just there's just a distance between you and rami malik that's fair and it, which again works for certain parts doesn't work for me with this part and my problem is is freddie's just so expressive with his face yeah and his eyes and Rami Malek does not communicate that no, at all. He gets the body. He, get, he gets really the body weird. language pretty good. Yeah. But the the face and, and you know, like uh, just all the things that are communicated there, I just don't feel like come through, especially with like the Live Aid concert. Yeah. And stuff. The last shot that's like right on his face at yeah. Live Aid. I kind of I definitely see what you're saying there. I felt like there could have been more given mm-hmm. in that moment. But he, he really felt like he dedicated himself to the 
the body movement. Portion. Yeah, he moves like Freddie moves. I, I would say like eighty percent of the way. That's the, still a lot. It is. Yeah. My 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 biggest problem is like it, it was still like the big wide strong movements, mm-hmm. but it, it felt a little more forced and less like again. This is one of the reasons that Freddie was such an electric performer mm-hmm. and why people really liked him live is because literally like energy exploded out of him. Yeah, like like for sure. all of his motions, all of the, the signature stances and like you know poses and things were just just felt like he just couldn't contain it and it just like mm-hmm. it, that's the way it, it, it just had to come out of his body yep. otherwise he would he would explode yeah. um and i i think it's a really good description yeah and and i i think it's a really it's a hard part and i don't i don't yeah. begrudge rami malik because i don't think there i don't think there's anybody who could be freddie mercury because otherwise we'd have another freddie mercury yeah. and you you never will but you know that if I'm going to levy criticisms on this movie, it was one of the things that that I felt like he didn't bring to the role. Yeah, my uh, it's not even a counter. You talk about the eighty percent thing. Like if he gives me eighty percent of Fred- Freddie Mercury, I would argue no one's probably going to top that. <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? Like yeah, no one's going to get a hundred percent Freddie. So if you can give me eighty percent Freddie, that's still better than I probably sure. am going to see from anybody else. No, I mean I, I like this movie. I want to see it again. I, I want to watch it again. Uh, you know, Queen just means so much to me. I know that there's just no way that I'm gonna be like, I'm never gonna see this. <laughs> it's crap. I was uh, uh, I commented on somebody's Facebook. They were talking about it, and I was I saw Queen in concert in 2000 March of 2006. Uh, Paul Rogers was Paul Rogers, a bad company, was leading them. And uh, at one point, Brian May comes out and he's playing like a 12 string guitar and he sings Love of My Life. And he goes on like this five minute rant about Freddie and who Freddie was. And man, I mean, it just sitting there called back to that moment to me. Like, it's just such a connection mm-hmm. uh, that again, you give me 80 percent, Freddie. I, I was at zero percent fretting before it, so I'll take my eighty percent. And it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting to me because you really liked the the live aid portion and the fact that yeah. they they do they do I think the whole live pretty aid much set. yeah way more than I anticipated yeah that's funny because that was that was for me and maybe it's because you know I I was already coming in kind of a, at mm-hmm. like a different level of enthusiasm than you were but that whole sequence and the fact that they did almost the whole thing felt like. Super stealth congratulations. I knew you were going to hate it. When I was watching it, I was like, <laughs> Joseph is hating this I part. hated the shit out of it because it's, it's one, I mean, again, they do like, uh, you and I, and I, I feel like yeah. you and I know that that's like kind of their most iconic moment. Mm-hmm. And I, a lot of people would probably recognize yep. parts of, of that set. And so like I get, I, I, I fully appreciate the fact that that's like the end of the movie. Like that's, yes. that's the yes. big conclusion. But like the the fact that they they do the entire set, you know, they they do almost a, like an imitation of mm-hmm. what's happening, and they have all these constant cuts, like during because they play they play the whole mm-hmm. song, and they yep. have the cuts to the reaction shots of everyone just feeling like, wow, what an incredible moment, and I mean like it is, but like I don't know, like t- to me, just cynical ass me watching the movie, yeah. recognizing you know what it is, who's making it, and, and kind of the rest of the movie coming in, it was just it felt. So just like jerking yourself off to me. <laughs> I knew that's how you were going to describe <laughs> it too. My counter to you would be is there's a reason it's so famous, right? Yeah. So like people have to remember it a certain way. I agree with you. Now, having seen Queen Live, when Radio Gaga starts playing, that is exactly how everyone reacts. You know what I mean? Like that is what happens. No, I love that moment. I love that moment because I love Queen. Yeah. I, I can admit that's bad for a movie. <laughs> <laughs> that you should not do 20 minutes of music straight in a concert setting in a movie. If you were making an opera, sure. But it's not, it doesn't make for good filmmaking. Yeah. But it makes for a good Queen movie. Like, like that's what you, you know what I mean? Like, for a Queen fan, that's what you want to see. Sure. And that's fine. 
Like, I again, I can say the movie's worse than Transformers, but the Queen part of me wants to be like, oh, it's better than Transformers. I want to watch it again. I want to yeah. watch it more than I want to watch Transformers. But I know it's not a good movie, Joseph. Like, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm breaking you down here the yeah. longer we go. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, and then uh, you know uh, we're closing up here, and I don't really have a lot else to say. But I, no, I you know, I've I've come down on it harder than I probably meant to because there are some really great moments. Like I think I think again the Freddy struggles, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially like as the band go, you know, kind of grows out, not grows up, but they, you know they the, as the band gets older and you know they they have separate lives outside of Queen, and I think that's a great storyline. The recording of uh, Night at the Opera is really fun. Yeah, I like that yeah, sequence yeah. a lot. The the scene where he's talking to Mary and they have the uh, love of my life where the crowd's singing it back yeah. to him is a beautiful moment. Like, mm-hmm. I thought that was video. I mean, that, that got... Yeah, that's content. real. Yeah, that's... I mean, that's yeah. an, that's an incredible video by itself, but contrasted to, like, you know, the, the situation that's going on was, like, a really, really... It was really good clever, placement. yeah. Yeah, I really, really liked it. Um, the whole line they're singing it for you and yeah. like the whole yeah whole bit's great so so i mean there i definitely think especially the second two-thirds of this movie the the latter half latter two-thirds of this movie are a, a pretty good movie they're not yeah. bad the first half is a struggle yeah but i'm still i still have to come down worse than transformers i knew I, you would I, I just i'd rather watch transformers than this movie again i'm yeah. glad i saw it but I don't need to see it. Yeah, again. it's such a weird. It's this is like the one movie that's like hard for me in the metric because I it is in my opinion worse than Transformers right? as a movie. And to be fair, I don't think Brian Singer's ever made a movie better <laughs> than Transformers <laughs> X two maybe maybe. But I want to watch it more than I want to watch Transformers just because I want to experience those moments again. That's fair. So what have you been watching? Uh let's see what have I been watching? I finished Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Good. What did you think? Uh, I liked it a lot more before the ending. Not not the ending was bad. It just it gets real like I don't know kind of family just, drama. Well, not family drama, but it it cleans things up very nicely. It you, does. You spend a lot of time doing like sappy conclusions that you knew were going to happen and you mm-hmm. want to happen, but I don't know. They just linger on it a little longer than. Did I you want. like the prologue? The whole like them older like having kids. Yeah, yeah. I was okay with that. Yeah. Also, I feel like the the very end like fights the last last you know couple of boss battles because you know Mm. there's always like two or three rounds the show does such a good job i feel like most of the time of establishing the rules and i feel like there are several times when they're just like and there's this other thing and it negates whatever you're doing but no there's this other thing i feel like they probably could have set it up or like left more seeds in there for it to be more satisfying for sure but uh i don't know i mean I'm, again, I'm, I'm minorly complaining on the very end of the series. It's one of my favorite ones. I think it's, it's so good. It's it's, it's very, uncomfortable in some parts. Yeah, it's just it's which is not a detriment. No, it's it's very smart. Yeah, like the the characters are really likable. You get you get really invested in each of the stories, and it's just I don't know. It's such a rich rich world and story. That's why I hate that it ends. Like, I know. I wanted more, there, especially with the way that it ends. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, no, there's definitely like you could definitely come back to this world. Yeah, with a lot of the same characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, w- I would highly recommend this series to anybody, and I know you already have. The wife and I have been going through The Good Place. Yes. We finished yeah, yeah. season one, and I know your wife had a problem with the, the, the way twist. That it ended. Yeah. Did, how do you feel about it? Uh, I was curious enough to keep watching. I wasn't like, I didn't love the show at the beginning. I'm not very good at like serial comedies, yeah. to be fair. That's fair. So I wasn't like, you know, enthralled. It was entertaining enough. I would have kept watching, but I was mostly watching because of her. So it didn't like be like, oh, I should watch this without her. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was interesting. I was, I was. Did you see it coming? 
Uh, Val actually saw it coming. Yeah. I didn't see it coming. That said, I was worried. Like from the end of it, there are definitely. I, I don't want to say that there's no like logical inconsistencies with the mm-hmm. show because there definitely are. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, my con- my concern was we were going to be kind of getting stuck in a rut. Yep. from 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 the next couple seasons and i've been really pleasantly we, we just started we're a couple episodes into season two and i've been really pleasantly surprised in the direction that they've taken it and the way mm. that they've played it so i'm on board i mean like the writing and, and just like the jokes and stuff i feel like are really clever mm-hmm. to to me the the basic plot line is i mean i understand it's kind of the big selling point of it yeah initially but it almost takes a, a backseat a, a backseat to yeah likable characters and just like good writing and good jokes so i'm 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 fully on board with i'm it. curious enough to keep watching yeah. if she wanted to you know what i mean yeah, like, yeah. and i've heard the show does a very good job because i think they're on season three now is kind of every year it kind of like reinvents itself yeah. like it twists itself just a little bit so that it stays new and fresh yeah so. and then i watched the witch this morning yes at, at your uh yeah. recommendation and it's good. It's a good movie. Uh, Pretty scary, too. Yeah. I was skeptical about Anya Taylor-Joy because yep. I've seen her in Split, and I don't hate Split as a movie, but I don't think she's good in that movie. She's weird looking. I mean, she definitely is weird looking, but I also know that historically, M. Night Shyamalan directs his lead people to be as bland and yes. emotionless as possible. For sure. Um, I've seen The Village. <laughs> yeah. Or Any other. Unbreakable or- <laughs> Also true. <laughs> the Sixth Sense. We yeah, keep going. But yeah, no, I mean it, it's very atmospheric. It's it's very atmospheric. Yeah, and, I, and that's the thing. Like, it, I don't think it's it's phenomenal, but I think it just does such a good job of like putting you there. Yes, and, and it's I mean definitely there's so the, there's a lot of old timey Puritan yes. speak in yes. it, which is a little tough to navigate mm-hmm. here and there. But uh, but overall, I really liked it. It was it wasn't it was not as scary like scary yeah. scary as I thought it was, but. Uh, Definitely creepy. Yes. I'm, I'm hoping I don't have nightmares about it later. Yeah, I think you'll be okay. Uh, what have you been watching? I, because I have children. Oh, I hang watched... on. I, I will say it's better than Transformers. Cause yes, agreed. Carry on. I watched Boss Baby. Yeah. Was it awful? Worse than Transformers. Oh, of course it is. That movie is not funny. I did not enjoy it one bit. Uh, I also watched Christopher Robin. How was it? Uh, it is worse than Transformers. Oh, no. Yeah, it's probably my least favorite of the live action remakes so far. And I would say that only because I don't think it's a very good movie. I think it's a pretty good episode of Winnie the Pooh. Like, it's about 90 minutes long. It's a little slow to get going. Like, there's, it takes a long time to get to Pooh. Mm-hmm. Probably at least 20 minutes, 20 or 30 minutes to get to Pooh. And then it's probably another 30 minutes before you get to Tigger and Eeyore and Piglet. And then mm. they're really only in the movie for like 30 minutes and... That's most of the reason you're at the movie. Yeah. I, I, like, of those characters, Pooh's not even my favorite. Like, yeah. Eeyore and Tigger are the ones I want to spend the most amount of time with. And especially because, like, Brad Garrett is Eeyore. And he's of hilarious. course he is. <laughs> he's hilarious in it. I probably won't watch it again. It's a bit slow. And, the, I mean, there's just, there's, it's a very self-contained, small story, which I think is appropriate for, you know, Winnie the Pooh. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I got everything I'm supposed to get out of it the first time. And I did. Well, I need to see it again. But I did watch a little bit of season two of Expedition Unknown starring famous archaeologist Josh Gates, which you've never watched this show? I have no idea what this is. Man, it's great. He was on a show called Destination Truth. Yeah. Oh, I like that guy a lot. Yes. He has a show on Travel Channel now called Expedition Unknown. Uh And I didn't know. I watched the first season on TV. Yeah. I don't have cable anymore. But the second season is now on Hulu. And so I've been watching some of that. Like, and I love that show. Unlike Destination Truth, where it's all like, 
you know, aliens or a haunted field or whatever. This is like real people, but legends about those people. Yeah. So finding Genghis Khan's tomb because huh. we don't know where that is. Yeah. yeah. Um, which apparently it's pronounced Genghis Khan. Mm. I didn't. In Mongolia, they're convinced we've we've mistranslated the G and it should be a C. I have no problem with that. Yeah. Should Would be Genghis. It's Khan? called anglicizing. Yeah. It happens all the time. Yep. So it's you know, there's an episode about King Arthur and and. Uh, you know, while King Arthur may not be a real person, there's a lot of evidence to support that in the 6th century, there was this guy who helped fight off the Romans, yeah, yeah. you know, named Arthur. Uh, so, you know, I, and I like that guy. He's uh, he's very charming. He, he's hilarious. Charismatic is the right yes, word. Yes, he is. For he, No archaeologist should have a TV show, but that guy. <laughs> That's fair. But yeah, no, it's uh, I kind of forgotten about it, and I saw it was on Hulu. yeah. And, it's brought back my love. I want to go back and watch old Destination Truth I will, episodes I will say now. the Destination Truth episode where they go to Chernobyl is the creepiest fucking thing in the world. Yeah. There were some weird ones, man. Did you go to see, did you ever see the one where they were in like a, there was like a, like a circle, circular field like in like the Ukraine where nothing grew. No. And like they had one dude like spend the night just like sitting in the middle of it. And at one point something, and this is like on camera, picks him up. And moves like throws him across the field, and of course you're like, oh, it's just not, this is just fake or whatever. But it's the only time in any one of those shows that's fair where something where actually something happened. happened. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it. a good show. It's yeah. a good, uh, I, I'm glad to know that that exists. Yep. But cool. I think that's it. That's all I've watched. All right. Well, so that's it for our Bohemian Rhapsody episode. Yep. Uh, I don't know what we're doing next week. No idea. All it's right. Thanksgiving week, so we're we gonna have an episode. Mm, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we we do a bad job. I feel like we de- de- our our limited but devoted listener base deserves more episodes than we actually For provide. Sure. Ian was apparently our consistent in this. Like he gave us topics and he kept us on schedule, and it's all just falling apart. That's kind of hard to imagine, but it seems yes, like you're right. That's actually true. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you like this, please rate and subscribe. Definitely tell your friends. It's the best way for us to, you know, uh, get out there and, and get some more listeners and subscribers. If you want to reach us, you can reach us at betterthantransformers at gmail.com. You can also reach us at Real Phonies on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, thanks to Zach Evans for art and Brian Velasquez for our theme. We'll see you guys next week or later. later. <laughs>